0: Blessed Lenten season. I am Natalie. I'm your digital minister here at Middle. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us and welcome. We know there are so many options out there today and we're glad you're here with us. Um, It is Black History Month and also our uh, new executive minister, Reverend Daryl Hamilton, will be preaching today. So let us get right into worship. But before we do, we'll take a deep centering breath together. Whether you're in New York with steam heat hissing in the background or in your car, maybe you're sipping on a cup of tea, cozy on your couch, let us take a little bit of time right now to come together and worship God.
1: assumption. Does anyone know what an assumption is? An assumption is when we accept something as true or as certain to happen without proof. Now my roommate grows scallions on our windowsill. You can see them behind me right now. And I took one look at them the other day and I said, oh my God, all of these are dead. The soil has to be bad. We need to throw these out. But my roommate looked at them and said, no, no, these have died because the window's been blowing cold air on them. But that doesn't mean the soil is bad. We just need to do a better job to support the soil so that the plants can grow. And when I thought about the soil and my assumption, I started to think about all the assumptions that we make about one another. Maybe because we're not the same race or because we have a different faith practice than one another or because we don't have the same pronouns or maybe because one of us lives in a neighborhood that other people have called unsafe just because we don't see the beauty that exists doesn't mean that something beautiful isn't growing but what it does mean is that we have a commitment to make to recognize when we're wrong and to change our perception to see the beauty that is there i want to show you a picture real quick again Do you see what I see? I made a lot of assumptions about that soil because of what it looked like because I didn't know anything about soil but if you look closely, can you see that the scallions are actually growing? So there's nothing wrong with the soil. The only thing that was wrong was how I chose to look at it. I want to encourage us today to check our assumptions when we make them. We need to decide, is this a good assumption to keep me safe? Or is this a bad assumption that keeps me out of community? And we can always ask God to help us because God really deeply cares that we are knit together in community and loving on one another. So let's actually pray to God right now to do just that. Dear God, please help us to change our perception when we make assumptions. Help us understand whether we are doing something because it's good for us or whether we're doing it because Maybe we're afraid or we just don't understand enough. Help us to be better community members to one another and to recognize that your holiness grows absolutely everywhere and in absolutely everyone. Amen.
2: We are
3: marching in the Marching in the light, the light of God, we are marching. Marching, we are marching. Marching, we are marching in the light of, the light of God, we are marching. Marching. We are marching. We are, marching, we are marching. we are marching in the light of God. We are marching in the light of God cheese
0: Good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, I'm Jackie Lewis, and I'm the senior minister at Middle Church. It is a thrill, a joy, a gift to have you worshiping with us this morning. I don't know about you, but when I see those photographs of our sanctuary burnt out, it still causes my throat to get tight and my tears to flow. I was there last week um, just looking at what's happening, and I wanted to just give you a couple of updates regarding Middle Rising, because I know that you want to know. Uh, we have finished demolishing the building next door where the fire started. Our sanctuary has been largely scooped out, the burned debris, um, the organ debris, the piano debris. Our social hall uh, has been sealed off so that it remains dry, you know, in this time, while we figure out what we're going to do. Our board, uh, the middle church Uh, consistory and the collegiate consistory are all talking about how do we reconstruct how do we rebuild on the site so we're having planning conversations we're having really exciting not insurance conversations to make sure that we can optimize our insurance policy and we're moving forward friends with your help and support we have in pledges and gifts more than $1 million already toward our Metal Rising campaign. Thanks to you and thanks to the people who love you and the people who love us in our community. So thank you for that. We are hiring a uh, capital campaign consultant to help us to get uh, maybe 20 times that is what we're thinking we need to raise so that we can do what we need to do on the site to make it home again. There are fundraisers on the way uh, coming in March. And I can't wait to surprise you with that. So we'll tell you more about that later. Another way that we're rising the middle family is we're just being ourselves. We are being love in the world. 267 people joined our church last year, 267 people in the digital spaces. We're trying to keep our programming going and our care going. Uh, We've got beautiful programs coming up uh, for Lent and Bible study with our new uh, executive minister, Daryl Hamilton, who you'll get to hear preach later. So go to middlechurch.org and find out all the ways you can stay connected. We are deeply concerned about our friends in Texas. We have personal relationships that have been deeply impacted by the the crisis there. And I want you to know that we are using some of our Black Lives Matter funds to make two $5,000 donations to two organizations that are BIPOC-led that are doing work of restoration, recovery, and healing down there in Texas. So when you make a donation to middle churches, operating budget, which we call our comprehensive partnership campaign, you fund the Black Lives Matter fund, you fund the cancel rent uh, fund, and you also fund our deacons fund. So those funds are available to us because of you. And if you need some support, if you need some support around utilities or rent, please reach out to Amanda or Daryl or me and we'll make sure we hook you up. If you need some help for groceries, please reach out. In the same way, we'll make sure we hook you up with our deacons. I want to let you know that our Revolutionary Love Conference is coming, and uh, you should, can find that on the website. And we just want you to feel the ongoing pulse of love and joy that is Middle Church because of you. Make a donation at middlechurch.org. Donate to fund these programs that I discussed. Make a donation at middlechurch.org slash rising to help us rebuild our sacred place. Now, there's a lot happening in the world. I know that you are checking it out and feeling it in your bones. And as we uh, enter into this kind of third week of Black History Month, I am thinking about the words to the beautiful poem we sung. We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. And I want to invite you to take a deep breath and think about your own journey. Think about the ways over which you have come. And by you, I mean, like as in the Zulu uh, fashion, Ubuntu, you means you, you means your people, you means your ancestors, it means your deities, it means your God, it means our Christ. So take a deep breath. And as you exhale, think about the way over which you've come and the way that we can journey together toward fierce love. Let us pray. Holy one, you have never promised us a rose garden, but you have promised us presence. You have promised us liberation. You have promised us deliverance. You have promised us safe passage, safe in your arms, safe in your bosom, safe to feel loved, safe to feel protected safe to feel supported, and God, we thank you for that. Thank you that even in this time of incredible grief, incredible loss of life, incredible suffering and struggling, if we just close our eyes and take a breath, we can access your Holy Spirit at work, around us, and inside us. When we take a breath, it is a sacrament. It is a sign and a symbol of the present reality that you don't change. You don't leave. You do not desert your people. You are here as comfort, as way, as path, guiding our feet, lighting our way. Help us as we begin this Lenten journey together, Holy One, to lean on that confidence. You've got us. You're holding us. You're feeling with us what we feel. Thanks be to you, O God, that you entered into our lives as Black flesh, as Black Nazarene rabbi flesh, poor outsider, marginalized flesh, which lets us know how much you understand our human experience. Help us To live as though we are loved by you, loving one another fiercely, compassionately, and empathically all along the way to new life. This is our prayer, Holy One. Even as we pray together, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, we say it the way we know it, in the language we know it, we pray it the way it's been taught to us, or the inclusive one that you find in the bulletin. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever.
3: Amen. Amen. Good Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See Amen. Amen. the little baby. Amen. Born in a an manger. Amen. Amen. On Christmas morning. Amen. Amen. Amen
2: my black
4: is creative
0: my black
3: Change.
4: Good morning, church. My name is Reverend Daryl Hamilton. I am the new executive minister here at Middle with the privilege and honor of serving not only you, this Middle Church community, but also serving alongside the great, wonderful Jackie Lewis and also my amazing colleague, uh, Amanda, and also the many other wonderful staff persons here at Middle. I am going to be preaching today coming from the very first gospel, not the first one in our Bible, but the first one written. And that gospel is Mark, and I will be reading from the first chapter, starting in the ninth verse, making my way through the 15th verse. And the scripture is as follows. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus again came to Galilee, but this time Jesus came proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. I want to invite us back to read and lift up a quick verse as we focus and prepare ourselves for what it is God has put on my heart to share this morning. And this verse comes from verse 9. It says in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And so this morning church I would like to preach on the subject good news from the ghetto. Say it with me. Good news from the ghetto. Now these verses in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15, is our first introduction to Jesus in our New Testament. As I said a second ago, Mark, being the earliest written gospel of our New Testament, does not do like the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, which introduce Jesus with an extensive and detailed narrative, giving us backstory about his birth, his upbringing, his roots, his family, not dynamics. Instead, Mark introduces Jesus having told us only one minuscule detail about his life, Jesus coming out from Nazareth in Galilee. And once Mark tells us this, Mark then expedites the story, telling us that Jesus is then swiftly baptized, swiftly pronounced as a son of God from the heavens, driven into the wilderness, ministered to by angels. And after John is arrested, Jesus then reappears in Galilee But this time he comes to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, church, why do you think this detail, Jesus coming up from Nazareth, is so significant? Why would I lift that portion of the scripture up for our study in church today? Well, I lift it up because I am convinced that this one verse tells us the most important thing that we need to know in order to understand the revolutionary nature of the gospel. Nazareth, in the words of James Cone, is an agrarian ghetto. And Jesus is a man from the ghetto. And when he preaches the gospel, he preaches the gospel with a twist. And that twist, believe it or not, is his ghetto point of view. It is a view and a voice that raises up from an obscure and overlooked place. It is a view that speaks to the experience of obscure and overlooked people. Likewise, the gospel is a proclamation that stands in stark contrast to the politicized and the propagandized gospel of Rome. And the twist is that the good news of the kingdom of God does not descend from the seat of power in Rome. Rather, the good news is that the kingdom of God raises up. The kingdom of God comes up from the bottom. It comes up from the grassroots. And the good news is the kingdom of God comes up and comes out from the ghetto. In other words, this Black History Month, what I came here to tell you today, if you didn't know already, now you're going to know that, beloved, the gospel of Jesus is hip hop. The gospel of Jesus is hip hop. It is hip hop because like the genres of the spirituals, the blues, gospel and the jazz and jazz, the gospel of Jesus has its origins in the Psalms and protest hymns of enslaved and disenfranchised people, all of whom are trying to communicate the pleasures and pains of living life on the underside of society. Like hip-hop, the gospel of Jesus is the product of the African diaspora. And to quote Michael Eric Dyson, sheds light on contemporary politics, history, and race by amplifying a message of hope and liberation out from experiences of struggle. As a matter of fact, New York is the home of hip-hop. From right here on Manhattan Island, all the way over to the Bronx, to Queens, Staten Island, and to Brooklyn, and it is the good, and it is the gospel according to Brooklyn's own, the 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 prophet, the sage, the priest, the Reverend Sean Carter. Some of y'all might know him as Jay Z, where he captures the synchronicity between hip hop and the gospel perfectly when he raps. Say that I'm foolish, I only talk about jewels. Do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? See, I'm influenced by the ghetto you ruined. That same dude you gave nothing, I made something doing. What I do through and through In I give you the news. with a twist is just his ghetto point of view. A renegade, you've been afraid, I penetrate pop culture, bring them a lot closer to the block. These verses are the gospel of Jesus at his core. And these verses are hip hop at its best. Why, because it draws good news out from the lived experiences of those striving to make ends meet as a result of the systemic policies that have turned once thriving communities into ghettos. Men and women who know like the protagonist in Ralph Ellison's novel, what it's like to be made to be invisible, coming out from a community that has been demonized, dehumanized and criminalized. Can anything good come out from Nazareth. And Jesus gives the gospel, the good news of God with a twist, that he might amplify the voices of degraded youth to penetrate the pop culture of his day by bringing us closer to the block, by bringing us closer to the day-to-day experiences of those who have been incarcerated to the realities of marginalization and obscurity. But I know that there might be some of you in church today who might ask, well, preacher, how is it that you can say the gospel is hip hop with all the violent, materialistic, sexist, misogynist, hedonistic and homophobic language that is in hip hop? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let me be clear that I am not giving hip hop a pass with much of its problematic expressions, nor Am I attempting to align Jesus's gospel with those expressions? But what I am here to say is that hip hop is much more than that. And like the gospel of Jesus, hip hop is rife with creative expression that is subversive to popular Eurocentric culture, that is silent about the white corporate elites who line their pockets off black and poor degradation, critical of the words black folks say, but ignorant to the reason why we say them hypocritical to police, condemn, and criticize Black speech, yet fail in time and time again to likewise police condemn and attack its own speech that is equally violent, equally materialistic, equally sexist, equally misogynist, hedonistic, and homophobic. Hip-hop is much more than pop Eurocentric culture's attempt at holding hip-hop and Black culture to a moral standard that it never holds against itself. Jesus wrapped it like this in the first century. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Woe to the blind gods who strain at a gnat, but swallow a camel. If you want to be critical of hip hop and black experience, don't tell black folk to clean the outside of our cup and dish while on the inside, you are also fi- full of greed and self-indulgence. And so if I can just quote the hip hop generation of Gen Z, when they say, Keep that same energy if you want to be critical of testimonies of poor folk, because time and time again, do we uh, deride the genius of black people because we only have a surface level amount of engagement with the material they produce. Michael Eric Dyson says again that hip hop is pavement poetry, yet hip hop is not only poetry, but when you go a little bit deeper, you find out that hip hop is also protest. And not only protest, but hip hop is also prophetic, prophetic in its proclamation of truth to power, political in its analysis of the structures and systems of exploitation and abuse, artful in the imagery it evokes in the imagination of its hearers, conscious of the social realities plaguing its community, subversive in how it communicates the deep and hard truths through seemingly uncouth and inappropriate means. Do you listen to music or do you just skim through it? Thus, like the communities that burst it, hip hop continues to be maligned and misunderstood, often imitated, but never duplicated, appropriated, but never appreciated. And just like the people whose stories and testimonies it communicates, we cannot afford to miss the way God shows up in our midst and people and places because it is simply packaged in a way that we wish it was not packaged in. We cannot afford to miss it because it comes out from the mouths of those we might naturally try to disregard or dismiss. We cannot afford to miss the gospel and what makes the gospel truly revolutionary, that the gospel is good news, but not just good news from anywhere, for Rome has a gospel. America has a gospel. White evangelical extremism has a gospel. But what makes the gospel of Jesus good news is not that it comes from anywhere, but that it is good news from the ghetto. And so church, I have a question. How is it that the gospel as news from the ghetto can shape us in our movement to follow Jesus? How can it shape us as followers of Jesus. Well, I'm glad that you asked. And y'all, I am Baptist born, Baptist Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. And as a true Baptist, I'm going to have to give you three points and a song, and I'm going to sit on down. But the first thing we got to do in order to help us fo- as followers of Jesus in, t- in this movement to follow Jesus, how the gospel is good news shapes that is it tells us to listen. The Bible says in verse nine, that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee to be baptized by John the Baptist. There's another good Baptist in your text. We can talk about that some other time. And after John was arrested, Jesus began to preach the good news of God. But guess what? Folks had to listen. People from marginalized communities are always speaking and always revealing the truths to us that we need to know about ourselves and about our society. But the question is, church, are we listening? For generations, Black folks in America have been telling about the corruption and the moral ineptitude of the nation. We have said it in our music, in our writing, in our movies, in our art, and folks danced, folks laughed, folks clapped, but never listened. Folks have heard about the realities of racism, but never listened. Folks heard about police brutality, but never listened. And when George Floyd was murdered, when Breonna Taylor was murdered, when Congress failed to convict a white supremacist insurrection and folks want to be shocked and appalled saying, I just didn't know the country could be this bad. That's because folks have not been listening. The gospel of Jesus tells us that we must listen. And we must listen to the voices coming out from marginalized and stigmatized communities. We must listen because the time is at hand when we can no longer ignore the truths coming up from the underside of society. We must listen to the 300,000 residents in Texas without electricity because the neglect of their representatives flying off to Cancun we must listen to their stories so we can be moved by the power of their testimony and we must listen so that we do not miss what God is desiring in our world because the time is now and as Jesus said the reign of God is coming near church it is important that for us as followers of Jesus in this Jesus movement that we must listen second church After we listen, the Bible of Jesus also demands, and I know some people ain't going to like this, but the gospel of Jesus also demands that we repent. Mm. Let me just teach Bible for a second. Now, repent has some negative connotations to it, but but repent just, just simply means to turn. Repent means to turn. It means to turn from or to or return to. Thus, the gospel is demanding that we repent so we can turn from the systems and of empire and the systems of, of, of Rome that continue to keep the kingdom and continue to keep the reign of God at bay and return to the values and ideals of the reign of God that we do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. We must turn from our selfishness and obliviousness to the injustices in our world, and we must return to loving our Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. But if you would just give me one more second, I'm going to push it a little bit further and say that repent is not only about turning from or returning to, but repent is also about turning in turning inward, that we might examine ourselves so we can get a clearer understanding about what God is calling for us and how God is wanting us to live our lives. During this season of Lent, we are called to turn in. And as one of our deacons said in the deacons meeting this month, Lent is not only about what we give up. Lent is not only about what we subtract from our lives, but also about what we add to our lives. Thus, we must repent. We must turn in so we can see what we may need to add to our lives. We may need to add some patience. We may need to add some understanding. We may need to add some vulnerability. We may need to add some faith. We need to turn in to see if we need to add some compassion, to see if we need to add some empathy, some willingness to forgive others as we also try to forgive ourselves. The nation needs to turn in to address the deep deep-seated cultural hatred that continues to seep into our common life. The gospel of Jesus demands that we repent so we can not only turn, but we can also face where God is. And when we face where God is, we can then see where God is. And when we can see where God is, we can then see what God is calling for us to see. We must repent. We must turn from the death-dealing powers of the world so we may continue to move toward the revolutionary love that has come near in God's reign in the earth. And so after we listen, after we repent, here's the third thing, and I'm gonna sit down, is that we must believe in the gospel as good news from the ghetto. Mm. We must believe that the kingdom of heaven has come near you and the body of a black man from the ghetto. And we must believe that it was on this body that the spirit of God descend from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. We must believe that the kingdom of heaven has come near you and the body of a black man from the ghetto. We must believe the good news that we serve a God who has come not only to flip over tables, but also also to flip over our sensibilities. We must believe the good news that God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to bring to shame those who are wise, that God had incarnated God's self in a black body, that God had co-labored with a black woman, that God has conspired with black community so that all God's children who have been marked black, whether you are black of skin or black because of your experiences of oppression, that all God's people who have been marked black would know justice and no peace. We must believe that we serve a God who makes themselves at home among black bodies and those black bodies that stretch from Brooklyn to Benin, from Atlanta to Angola, from Southside, Chicago, to South Africa, from Crenshaw to Kenya, that all God's people will know that they are loved and that they are a part of the gospel story. Don't you know that it's true, that for me and for you, the world is a ghetto. There is no need to search anywhere. Happiness is here. Have your share. If you know your love, be secure. Paradise is love to be sure. We serve a God from the ghetto because as Kelly Brown Douglas said, God's story is the black story. And the black story is God's story. And all of that together is the Christian story. And beloved, I'm here to tell you that that also is hip hop. So let us listen, repent, and believe the good news from the ghetto, that we might celebrate the coming of God's reign near us once again. Let the church say together, amen.
5: middle family, its patty carpenter. God, I miss you all so much. I love being with you every Sunday, virtually, and I love the chat where we can say hello to each other and give our virtual hugs, but I so, so missed you in person. And today I've been asked to talk to you about joining our movement, and Middle is such a wonderful movement. I've been there about 15 years and I came completely unexpectedly. I was brought by a dear friend and found that my sister, Sherry, was also brought by a friend of hers completely separately, and there we found our home. And that home makes us feel safe it makes us feel protected it makes us feel seen it makes us feel valued and i've been thinking a lot about that word safe lately uh i sign all of my emails with stay safe i write my notes my cards my letters to friends and family uh even longhand and by snail mail and i sign them with stay safe and i realize that middle is a place of safety for me i can go there whichever door i enter through i'm embraced whether it's virtually uh on on um on online nowadays, or whether it's actually when we were in person, where someone knew me and they felt compelled to hug, even if it was an emotional hug where we didn't actually touch, we felt seen. We had conversation. We got to know each other, whether we already did or not. We deepened our relationships. We felt like we were fully there, and that's what I'm asking you to become a part of today. So if you join our movement, every single gift matters, no matter what you're able to bring. We want your time, your treasure, and your talent. I've been able. to showcase my talent somewhat by decorating the sanctuary for many of our events and that's been so wonderful for me I've touched so many of the nooks and crannies and I miss that place so very much and I know we'll come back stronger but for you you can also give just a dollar a dollar will touch one person who'll be encouraged, who'll be empowered, who'll be loved on the way that we know how to do that at Middle through our digital ministry. But there are other ways to give. You can go to Middle Church's website, which is www.middlechurch.org and then backslash donate and click that donate button. You can go to support us in our Middle Rising, which is so important right now. And that's also www.middlechurch.org backslash rising. Click that donate button you can make a gift via text and just text the amount to 917-924-4666 and lastly you can venmo we're very digitally connected and we are at middle church that's our venmo handle so we need you we need you because you empower the love you empower the justice in our community we can't do it without your help so i hope that you'll Make that decision to join us, and I hope you know that when you do, you'll be seen, you'll be embraced, you'll be empowered, and you'll be safe. Please take good care. I love you all. I miss you terribly. Stay safe. Bye.
2: Sing a song of freedom loud enough for the next generation to hear sing it loud and resounding sing it bold sing it with no fear I've heard it said that years ago emancipation was proclaimed but when I look around society I see our people are still in chains. but free is coming. I believe that every breath we take is one less till the shackles break. Freedom, freedom is coming. It's on the way. It's on the way. Sing a song of justice. While the people are marching, will not be in vain, sing it loud and triumphant. Though our feet may be weary and racked with the pain of 400 years of travel in the same old road, we can't see the light of a brand new day because we're still in the shadows. coming. I believe that it will be delivered, flowing like a mighty river. Justice, justice is coming. It's on the way. tomorrow let's make the future better than the past we will work we will fight we will press on till the bright gleam of our bright is coming, our tomorrow, tomorrow is coming, it's on the way, it's on the way.
5: our God, creator, father, mother, and all the names in which you are called. You who were born from the ghetto and stood with the unwanted forgotten in this place. You gave us a voice so that we can whisper across the earth. Black is beautiful. I am beautiful. You are beautiful. We are beautiful. We offer these gifts so that you can bless us to do your work. We present you with our hearts and all that we are so that you can bless us to be your army of love. We ask that you watch over us and guide us from our beloved Reverend Jackie Lewis to our littlest of babies so that when it's our turn to pass the baton, a new army of love will rise. From the depth of the ghettos and across the land, in your many names we pray, amen.
3: Freedom, freedom, freedom. We
0: from the music to the prayers to that amazing, amazing sermon. Thank you so much, Daryl. We're so glad you're here. Welcome home. Listen, everyone, the Jesus we serve, the one we know, our friend, brother, rabbi, savior, leader, is from the ghetto called Nazareth, and he's got a hip-hop word for us, a word for us to listen, to repent, to change our ways, to turn toward God, toward compassion, toward each other. This is the word of God for the people of God. So go on your Lenten journey guided by the hip-hop gospel of Jesus. Amen.